that this message will not just be an encouragement to you but it will also be a challenge because it's an important message maybe I'm a little bit naive but I really don't think so I strongly believe that the only real answer to the present massive dilemma in many an individual's life in our country in the world in different nations simply lies in the church of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is true. Leonard Ravenhill once said that the Word is either absolute or it's obsolete. We either believe it or we don't. And many people over the centuries have tried to undo the world, to belittle it, the Word, or to belittle it, or to just totally destroy it, but they've never succeed. Sometimes they thought they did, but they did not, because the Word of God is eternal. It will last from everlasting to everlasting. And we just have to believe it. We just have to apply it. And we just have to live it. That is Christian life. Our scripture this morning comes from Ephesians 5. And I'm reading verse 18, the B part of that verse. The reason why we don't read the whole of the verse is because we will be so busy with that first part that we do not come to the second important part. Here are five words, and they about the, uh, the most important in the Bible, and they talk about the most important subject in the Bible next to Jesus Christ. The verse simply says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you read and check up in the Greek, I'm not a Greek scholar, but... If you look in the Greek, you'll see that that word be filled is actually a continuous tense thing. In other words, you must be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. We read about that in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 6 verse 12, and I read to you, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. It speaks about the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the priest shall, be, shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And it shall burn on in the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. But we are not always filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit, isn't it? I wonder why. Maybe we can look at some questions. Somebody once said when they're asking, why is it that I'm not always so full of the Holy Spirit? He said to, he answered them, said, it's because we are leaking. And that is so true. You don't just have to leak to, to become poorer in the Holy Spirit and be not filled to the, to the brim. Just by doing plainly nothing will cause the Spirit to dry up. 
It's like taking a glass of water, fill it to the brim in a hot summer's day in South Africa. You put it outside without doing anything. That water did just disappear after a while. And the same with the Spirit. If we don't do, use the Holy Spirit, if we don't work with the Holy Spirit, we will lose the Holy Spirit. There's another reason, and that is about Martha. Uh, Martha and Mary, you remember? Jesus visited them. And then Mary was sitting there at Jesus' feet and Martha was so busy doing things, preparing a meal and whatever for, the, for her important guest. And then she complained. She said, Lord, look at Mary. I'm doing all the work. She's just sitting there. Tell her to help me. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Mary chose the better place, the best place, the best she chose. She sat at my feet. And that is necessary for us to time to at times to just sit at Jesus' feet. There's a stark warning in the, in, the, to the, in the letter to the Ephesian church. Jesus commended them for all the wonderful things they'd done. And then he says, but I've got this against you. You lost your first love because you're so busy of all the things, doing church, doing church, doing, majoring in minus. Why the most important thing, the relationship we should have with the Lord, it's not there. We're leaking because of these things. We leak because... Of hurt. Oh, pastor did not greet me this morning. Terrible hurt. You lose the anointing. Don't let it happen. We are bigger than that. There's something more than this. Every believer should be filled with the Spirit. This is a command. It's more important actually than the Ten Commandments. It's more important than the command to be baptized. It's more important than the great command for the commission, the great commission of the law. Because if we obey this command by being filled with the Holy Spirit, all the other things will just fall into place. Automatically, we will obey them. To be filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, very clear and definitely tells us that it was for all those who were present. Right on the day of the outpouring in Acts chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, there was, uh, we read that the Spirit came upon all of them present. And then a little bit later, that same day, and to me this is amazing. Actually, we don't read like that, but we can use our imagination. It's amazing what happened there. After Peter delivered his speech, and then uh, the, peop the, the attendants, those who listened to him, they were cut to the heart. They cried out, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said to them, believe, be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is amazing. There were 3,000 people, and they repented of their sin. They cried out to God, and the Bible says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what I read there is that on that great day, 3,000 men came to Jesus Christ and they received the Holy Spirit. They left that place full with the Holy Spirit because that's what the Word says. If we believe, if we turn to Jesus, we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even in the book of Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John was in trouble because they're preaching Jesus Christ. You know what happened there? They went back and they reported back and the guys didn't say, where's my machine gun? Are we going to make some posters and 
protest against us in the streets of Jerusalem. They fell down and they prayed and they called to God for greater boldness and the Holy Spirit came upon all of them once again. And this is what I want you to see, that it's not a one-off. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples on various occasions. Even uh, later on in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. When Peter preached there at Cornelius' house, the word says, all who heard the word were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. So every time that there was a message, the gospel preached and the Spirit came down, the, the, the apostles, they maybe have received it 10 or 20 times, but they've been continuously filled up. We need to be regularly filled up, people. Please, this is extremely important. Paul came to Ephesus and there were 12 disciples and he met them with him. He asked them all the normal questions, you know, how's your mother-in-law and all those things. And then the very first question concerning their faith, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they were amazed. They said, sorry, man, Paul, we haven't even heard of the Spirit. It is important today. And it's very sad that there are so many disciples in this day and age, I think they will give the same answer as the disciples there in Ephesus. They have not even heard. Maybe they heard, but never, never struck a nerve or nothing, no way. And then what's actually very sad to me is the fact that there are many seasoned Pentecostals who lost the fire. They don't speak in tongues anymore. They don't witness. It's not their passion. Listen, by grace we are saved. By the Holy Spirit we are empowered. This filling is for you. Seek it. This is standard practice. To be or not to be filled with the Holy Spirit cannot be debated, cannot be argued. Salvation gives us the Holy Spirit in us. Pentecost gave us the Spirit upon us, empowered us. And there's a quite a number of outstanding characteristics of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to just mention a few, say a few words about that. I actually want to say to you again, the continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit is desperately required in the times that we live today. The first thing, well, the prominent characteristic is that there is a deep sense of personal unworthiness. The more of the Spirit, the less there will be of self. To that point, Paul cried out, not I, but Christ. They know nothing separate them from the Holy Spirit. They only know about Jesus Christ, Him and Him alone. In Him we, I have my move, I have my being, and I live in Him. And I can actually say and should say with Christ, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And when things go well in the ministry, God, Paul says, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Christ by which I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. That you'll find in Galatians 6 verse 14. 
There's another prominent characteristic. It's the hunger for the Word and power. When the Word and the Spirit time comes together, there is this amazing power of God. Now, Watchman Nee, I don't know if you know about Watchman Nee, was a theologian, not the right word, the real child of God, rather, in the 50s, 60s, and still is, I suppose, but he died in the 90s. He's been my best tutor, one of my great tutors, and uh, I never met him, but I've learned so much from his writings. Um, he spent 20 years in prison for his faith under very, very terrible conditions. He wrote this very interesting little piece. He says there was an American Christian who overcame many sins in his life, but there were five, four or five sins that he could not really overcome. So he lived a, con a life of continuous confession. He lived in that sphere of continuous saying, Lord, I'm sorry. And one day he read Romans 6 verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you. He prayed. He said, Lord, I just read your word. It says sin shall not have dominion over me, but my life proves different. Sin reigns over me today, but from today, I will believe in your word. Therefore, I declare I have already overcome my sin. Later on, when one of the same temptations came his, came his way, he would still fall in it if he looked at himself. But whenever he trusted the word of God, when he quoted that word of God, sin reigns over me no more. I have the power and he had the power to overcome. In such a way, we will be able to live a victorious life. When the word with the power works in our hearts and produces victory, challenging us to live the higher life of Jesus Christ. If you look at yourself, for ourselves, we shall be as corrupted as we've been before if we trust in ourselves to overcome. It's just not possible. Even if we look at circumstances and pray that they will change and then maybe we will change, it doesn't work that way. These changes come from within, from believing the word and power of the Holy Spirit. And another prominent characteristic is a desire for and a delight in prayer. Now prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. And uh, often surprised that we make so little use of it, the real use of, of it. Just thinking Joshua prayed and the sun and the moon stopped. Why about what the Bible says? All revivals begin with prayer. All revivals. But the revivals that changed nations started with prayer. And now you know what? I believe our country will be revived and our country will be healed. I believe it with all my heart. And the foundational scripture for that comes from 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn away from their wicked ways, then I will heal here from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal the land. It's not a one-off promise that God made. This thing we find throughout the Bible. Whenever there's a deep repentance and a turn to God, God will honor us and He will answer our prayers and He will forgive our land. There is hope for us. If ever an ongoing revival is required in South Africa, it is today. And I believe that the power lies within the church. 
Just imagine the church or like on the day of Acts, uh, Acts 2 that we read earlier on. It will be like that, that in every church in South Africa, there's a powerful revival. Just imagine, within a week, South Africa will be different, totally different as people come and the church is full and the bars empty and the, the, the prisons empty and all the bad places empty, but the churches are full, full, full of people seeking for the, the blessing of salvation, seeking for the presence of the Lord. So again, I say, if ever an ongoing revival is needed in this country, it is now. An ongoing revival that changes a nation. That is my prayer, not just for a personal revival. We've got to start in our hearts, I'm sure, and it must. But it must, we must use the power of the Holy Spirit to continue this revival and be instruments. Bring about a revival. It will change our hearts, our families, and our nation, and even the world. I cannot produce such a revival, but I can pray. You cannot rent the heavens, but you can pray. You cannot shake the building, but you can pray. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot shake a mountain but we can pray. You cannot make this nation tremble, but we can pray. We cannot break every chain, but we can pray. And we cannot baptize in the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, but we can pray. Amen. And then another prominent characteristic, the greater demonstration of signs and wonders followed by amazing testimonies. During this lockdown period, I think most of us had time to delve into our past, look up some old photographs and listen to some old CDs and stuff. Pictures and memories of rare occasions when wonderful things happened. Not so rare that the things happened those days. I just recall a great outreach that we had a year ago in Manado in Indonesia. How wonderful it was. There were lots of young people at those, uh, the meetings, the evenings of meetings. We made the calls to salvation. Many of them came out. I would say all of them came out to salvation. But wow, when they came, we started to pray a sinner's prayer. The devil just manifested in those young children. We didn't, we actually didn't know how we're going to handle this. So we prayed and we, we just trusted God and cast out demons left, right and center. It was quite a business but they were set free by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stir up the gifts that is within you. And the easiest place where we can begin to stir up this gift is to believe the command, be filled. It's not a choice, be filled. How do we be filled of the Holy Spirit? Now there's a lot of technical things or whatever we can, or methods and so on we can use. There are some requirements of course you must be born again and some other things but if you really want to be filled up to overflowing our previous leader john bond is with jesus now he said to us go and imagine the holy spirit comes over a fall like a waterfall you go stand underneath that waterfall and you open you stretch out your arms and you open your mouth wide and you drink you just drink until it's overflowing, until you're so full of the Holy Spirit that you, can't, you do not know what to do, of what to make of yourselves. 
And remember, Luke 11 verse 9, I say to you, says Jesus, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. For what father of you, if the son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Listen carefully. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake or a fish? Or if he shall ask you for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? Now, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts for your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them, or to him, or to her who ask him? It's a promise. God actually bound himself with this promise. If you ask and you are true in your heart, he will. He will baptize you. You've got to believe. Maybe I can just tell you this little story. When we young Christians, we searched for everything. We attended every service. We even sang in the choir, so much so that they closed the choir later on because of our singing. But anyway, a lot of things happened. And then one day a lady spoke in the church. She did a few times what I thought she was some Filipino lady or something. And she spoke in tongues. And that touched my heart. I said to Ben Farrell, my pastor, what's she doing? He said, no, she's speaking in tongues. And he gave me some scripture and so on. And immediately the two of us got so hungry for this thing. Because it was so beautiful when she spoke in these tongues. And we decided we must get somebody to pray for us. But for some reason, we ended up in the old um, area where the Achies had their headquarters. Not there anymore. But we end up there for a conference. And then they said, all those who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit must please go to that classroom over there. There will be a pastor. It was an older guy. He will pray for us. So we went there and we are so eager, so desperate. We want the Holy Spirit. And he start praying for us. And he was moving my jaw. And, and then just to get him off my back, I said, ra, da, da, ba, da, 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 da. and he was quite happy. But I know something was wrong. And that following week, I walked outside. We had a beautiful garden that's, that's just there nearby the Machalisberg. I walked in the garden. I was all alone. I was just praising, you know. Born again causes you to see the world different. The sky is bluer. You, you just want to exalt this name for everything that you see. And then suddenly, I started speaking in tongues. I thought, wow. And then afterwards, I realized when that Dear old pastor prayed for me, for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He was serious. I was serious in going there. So both of us had one thing in mind, and that's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And that's when God did it. He just manifested a week ago, a week later. So my dear friend, that's the first thing. Go stand under that waterfall. Drink until you thirst no more. And then go do the next thing. Stir up the gift of tongues. That's foundational. That's in the beginning. It's not old-fashioned. Amen? Tongues are powerful. Just last week, I, no, the beginning of this week, I shared with a brother, we pray every morning early, we pray over Skype, we pray together for a while. I shared about him about the importance of speaking and praying in tongues. 
And he listened, he didn't say a word, but I know he was a real soldier, real disciple for Jesus Christ. Next morning, he said to me, Brother Johan, you know what happened? I had the most blessed day in my office since I can remember. There was just something else. Because what actually happened after we prayed, he went and he prayed for about an hour in tongues. That's that, that, that morning. And then that day, after he prayed so long in tongues, he had the most peaceful situation at office. And I can, I know it goes quite rough where he is. A few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I think, there was an old uncle and, and uh, his wife and they were hijacked. And the auntie, I listened to their testimony where I preached a couple of weeks ago. The auntie just said, continued to pray in tongues out loud. For some reason, it confused those people. And they just ran off and they were not harmed. Of course, they had a massive shock in their lives. But there is so much power in the speaking and in the praying of tongues. And I'm sure many of you have a testimony concerning that. That there is power in this. Tongues are important. Don't make it off. It was so important that Paul records that he spe speaks and prays more in tongues than all of the others. It's so important that he actually says in 1 Corinthians 14, the second last verse, he says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. Every revival, just by the way, is marked by the speaking in tongues. True Christianity is filled with this, with the miraculous and with the supernatural. I really think that we should trust God, the eyes of our understanding being open, that we will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning these important issues within the kingdom of God, and that we must know it's more than just a religion. Miracles should happen. The supernatural things should happen because of the Holy Spirit. We expect these things far above our wildest imagination. We must not limit God to our own experiences. So what hinders us then? Therefore, why are we not filled to overflowing? From the divine side, from God's side, there is no hindrance. Because he already said, be baptized. In the Holy Spirit. It is as if he said, I have opened the tap. Just come and drink. Go stand under that waterfall. Remember? Then if we do not drink from this living water, surely the hindrance must be within us. Are the things too supernatural maybe? Is there a fear that things might, might go out of hand? Does it fall outside of the perimeters of our religious traditions? Is it true? Is it just plainly unbelief in its reality? It may be a don't care attitude as to its vital importance. Or it may be love of the world and sheer self-satisfaction. It may be sin. But remember, sin reigns over us no more. Whatever it is, we are responsible for not being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have to believe, accept it, use the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. 
I've been in many prayer meetings and I've heard many people praying over and over and over the same prayer. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord. He said, ask and you shall receive. He didn't say ask over years and then maybe I will consider and maybe you will receive. We are responsible. There's the promise made. He says, ask and you will receive. For Jesus Christ's sake, And for your own sake, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is by the continuous infilling that the Word of God will be true in our lives, that the change will fall off, that captives will be set free, that bad habits will be broken, that people will become saved, that revivals will break out all over our nation. You have heard the command. Be filled. Surely we can talk a lot of that, but it's simple. Be filled. Now, if you have never been filled, if maybe your cup is only half, or maybe 99,9% if it's not full, or maybe you just need a refreshing touch of the Lord as the disciples did in the book of Acts, then please stand up with me and then we're going to pray together will you lift your hands to heaven open your heart open your mouth be aware of the water that falls and drink and drink and drink And Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is for free. We thank you, Lord, that you've opened. Give us an open opportunity to be filled to overflowing. And Father, we we cry to you. We desperate need this this attached from the Holy Spirit. We want to be renewed, refreshed. Because we know, Lord, There is no other way. So fill us this day to overflowing of your spirit. And once again, the gifts will be stirred up in our hearts, in our practice as believers. We will, we will expect the impossible, the supernatural, the miraculous. In all things, God, that your name will be glorified through Jesus Christ, your son. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And God bless you. Go well.